Welcome to this episode of Fashion Forum, the podcast series from the British Fashion Council, which celebrates British creativity on a global scale. I'm Tim Blanks, and I'm delighted to be speaking to the fashion designer, Harris Reid. Hi, Harris. Hi, Tim. Um, I'm curious what you feel is changing in fashion, what you feel is as as uh brought the industry to this point i think you know it's been the most incredibly crazy year between covid for the past you know 12 months especially like in the uk through black lives matter through black trans lives matter through you know now stopping asian hate i think it's a time right now where a lot of people are kind of i think really finding their voice and also really trying to implement kind of their beliefs kind of on social media and on different platforms and i feel like right now it's really pivoting the way that I think, you know, I know me and the way that I shop and my friends shop, it's kind of changing the fact that we all look at now kind of companies need to be a bit more responsible. And I think, you know, people and brands, like it's very unique to see who's kind of taking what stance and what people are speaking out and how people are kind of interacting and what people are doing. So I think it's just made fashion have to take a lot more responsibility right now and have to take a bit more of a not to say political stance, but a bit more of a stance with what they do. We maybe want to see a bit more of, you know, where is that made? Where is that person from? How diverse is that team? How diverse are those models? What is the background? What is the story? Instead of maybe, you know, eight huge shows a year, kind of just, you know, churning things out. So I definitely think for my generation and maybe, you know, the last graduating class, um, you know, I see a lot more people trying to kind of redefine the system of what it looks like to kind of be a brand or be a consumer, like within this time. Do you think that, Fashion was lacking then up, up to this point that when the, the whole issue of responsibility it has become so um, so much more heightened over the last year, especially. And the notion that that anyone who has a platform needs to be using that platform. So I, I, I'm just wondering whether you think that the industry was a little bit lacking. In, in its in it in its you know really that we're, we're we're seeing it right now wrestling with the issue of relevance do you think actually the, there was a there was a kind of threat of it becoming irrelevant i definitely i mean i definitely think that there was some that it was the industry was lacking before because i think that there wasn't anyone holding a lot of the industry and fashion houses like like credible they were we were kind of just consuming 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 and i think that it's been this huge wake-up call where we are looking at well what is like, you know, what is the relevance of having so much, you know, out there, so much production, so many collections, so much kind of in the space. And I think it's definitely made a lot of, I think, you know, especially the younger generations question, you know, not only where something's coming from, but what is the actual purpose and the messaging behind that? And I think, you know, I've always had a mixed feeling with call out culture, because I think this has become such a big thing. And I think people are very quick to jump on and kind of almost attack people, um, which I don't, necessarily agree with but I do think there's something kind of amazing about calling people out for something that isn't done right or isn't done kind of in a genuine way so I think you know before you know this past 12 months I think we were letting a lot of things slide and I think now I know myself if I see something online that looks like someone chose to use a certain model or chose to use someone in a bit of tokenism I feel like I quickly read the comments and see that brand or that person being called out um, and I think there's something kind of good about that I think now is the time to have people starting to share their stories and time for people to listen and time to kind of put the e-commerce and storytelling and global responsibility kind of together, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, but because what I, what I get from your work is, is your, your, your total pleasure 
mm. the, the, the pleasure that you get from fashion. Mm. And that has always been a very, a very, a very strong thing in fashion. People who work in fashion are, the, the sheer joy of when you when you know when you talk about people like John Galliano or Alexander McQueen or earlier on you know Claude Montana Terry Mugler the sheer joy of being able to make your world in the way that you actually see it which is something that you've cottoned on to in a heartbeat um I, I I just what 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 did you draw from that you know I because I get the feeling that you 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 do know you do know fashion you do know the history of fashion you 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 appreciate all those designers and you appreciate you know the icons of style and, and I what I'm loving what, one thing that I'm I'm do enjoy on Instagram is the curatorial kids mm. you know like the 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 account unforgettable runway and he goes back and and just brings these things back to life. Now I was at most of those things and I am so grateful that somebody has the, the vision and the patience and, and, and the curiosity to, to reanimate them all. But for you, what does, what does that, all of that fashion mean? That whole great sweep of, of extraordinary, extraordinary idiosyncratic creation. I mean, for me, it means everything, like everything, you know, I think, you know, I've always looked at fashion as, you know, like most, you know, the designers that you spoke about as storytelling, you know, I would watch the old Galliano shows as a kid on my computer and the narrative and hearing the backstage interviews that you probably wrote, um, you know, and hearing about, you know, the narrative that Galliano would give the models that you are this, you know, this woman chasing and running and this is who you are and the, like, the narrative and the characters that he built, I thought were so extraordinary through so many of those designers. And I think now with, in my own design work, I've never had this thing where I'm like, okay, I need to design something that's commercial or ready to wear. I've been like, it came from a place of, came to London, you know, thought I knew who I was, was you know, walking around in a city where people had shaved eyebrows, pink mohawks, wedding dresses, you know, I met, you know, my, like my queer family. And I was so, ins I just kind of was like, you know, it was, it was just so overwhelming and so inspiring that, you know, I, started making women's clothing and then men's clothing and it just wasn't working. It felt like I was trying to fit these kind of, these categories. And it was really when I was like, what's my narrative? Who am I? And I felt like I wasn't represented like at that point kind of within fashion and within media. And I started dressing for the character that I am. And then this kind of narrative kind of started pouring out into it. So whenever I'm creating, I'm it's so much about the theatricality and the expression and really, you know, London is the city that, you know, I fell in love with, you know, Westwood and, you know, just set up, you know, Galliano McQueen. And there's like this showmanship that I feel like, you know, we even spoke before in fashion, it was still there and designers were still doing it, but I definitely feel like maybe gone away a little bit. Like I miss the shows that I watch and almost feel grossed out from where I feel uncomfortable from or I don't understand it or I don't, you know, I, my favorite comment is, in, you know, even my last show, people are like, well, it's beautiful, but who's gonna wear this and I don't get it. I'm like, perfect, awesome. Like you shouldn't get it. I don't want you to get it. You know, I think that was my favorite thing at St. Martin's whenever the tutors would give me, you know, criticism. They were like, well, I don't see who this is for. Who's your customer? I don't get who your customer is. And I was like, well, I hope you don't get who my customer is. I hope they don't exist yet. I hope I'm creating a narrative. I'm, you know, I'm trying to pull from, you know, the artistic expression that is fashion, that is, you know, having red hair down my back and wearing, you know, right now I'm wearing six inch platforms and, you know, walk down the street and someone says, I probably shouldn't curse, but, you know, they call me a faggot. They call me a freak. But I'm, you know, I'm driving 
something within people that's making them experience something through the way that I'm performing and through the way that I'm dressing and that completely kind of going off topic of your great question, but you know, that, that excitement, you know, you talk about Instagram and these accounts that are dedicated to the archives or, you know, even like just seeing people like reshowing old shows and the makeup and the hair. And like, I think right now, especially is a time to re energize that into the landscape of the world because we need escapism um, and we need storytelling. And I think that, you know, we've all watched everything there is to watch on Netflix. So, you know, it's time for us to make our own kind of Netflix performance through fashion. But then, you know, you, you've made the point a lot that that uh, it's a designer's place to be political mm. now. That you have the platform and it's your place to be political with the platform. So th there's this very interesting thing where the, create, the, pu the pure creativity creates makes something like your collections. And then at the same time, there's a social activism element. And that's what's different now. I mean, you you, you wouldn't, you know, to, to use those designers I mentioned before, you wouldn't go to a, a Claude Montana show and expect to see a sort of social awareness in the show. You would see the complete transport of, of one man's creative vision really the idea of the designer in the ivory tower but that that has been a huge change we've seen in the in the last in the last year and and it, that's what i think is so interesting with with people like you who managed to draw the strands together who managed to who managed to combine those worlds in a in a way that you seem that you feel is really urgent and and you know this is the only way you want to do things I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine creating something and not having it have a fourth, like a message at the forefront of it. You know, I think whether it was, you know, doing a gown, you know, for, you know, for Vogue with Harry Styles and seeing the backlash that people had about that and how people, you know, still have this thing of a man in a dress is so disgusting. It's such a freak. It's such a weird, like, for me, that that narrative there means that I need to help push that pendulum so far to that direction that, you know, we're all, you know, I don't expect people to walk around in giant hoop skirts and crinoline and, you know, fe like feathers and boas. But, you know, I'm hoping that by creating a space where that's more seen as a norm, that the pendulum swings more to the middle, that, you know, a man, whoever, male identifying, feels like they can have a bit more femininity in their life and creates a space that we start walking around and everything is much more blurred that maybe that young trans girl or trans boy feels that they can have their own gender expression in a safer space and it being so you know segregated I just feel like it's right now we're also at a place where my whole generation and you know my sister who's a couple years younger you know she's so concerned with the earth and what's happening and this pollution and you know I even struggled a bit you know graduating and being like you know I love creating I love art but you know I don't want to you know contribute to like massive consumption in a bad way but it really was my message and me really believing that fighting for fluidity and fighting for the self-expression I had to do it and there's no other way that I knew how to besides doing it through you know I don't know fantastically over the sides you know hats and clothes and adding a narrative into that and adding um kind of different elements so it's kind of yeah I can't imagine I can't, I can't imagine like going and just being like okay we have to do the next collection it's about central pay like there has to be something in it that feels like it's of, a, of, a, of an issue that I feel really passionate about that I feel like that I can contribute um yeah well I mean I guess the key word is freedom because mm. that that's really what what I mean on every level in every 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 life everywhere in the world people are looking for the freedom to be themselves I think you said you said a really interesting thing that the whole issue of fluidity isn't a sort of 
lying right down the middle, but you know, 50-50, masculine, feminine. That fluidity is a total, I mean, fluidity is one to a hundred, everything between one and a hundred. You know, the the dress for Harry Styles, I, I know you, you, you're, you've been influenced by glam rock and of course the, the classic case of David Bowie um, on his first trip to America, mm-hmm. wearing the dress that Mr. Fish made him. And he was always really clear that this isn't, this is a man's dress. This is a this isn't a man and a woman's dress. This is a man's dress. Mr. Fish designed it for him, and I, it's it's interesting when you think that there's a real continuity that that actually what, what what's going on in people's lives, those issues have always always been there, um, always been, and and maybe actually never been dealt with in any substantial way. So, I would imagine that you're in a situation now where you feel quite optimistic about what what you see going on around you i mean it's obviously a a very very difficult situation that we're all in but there are reasons to be optimistic i can i mean i the thing whenever i'm feeling down especially whether it comes to the news or articles coming out or things that are kind of going on i have to say when instagram is a tricky tool because sometimes they make you feel amazing sometimes they make you feel you know you compare yourself you feel terrible but there's an overwhelming sense of optimism that i have when i see the way that my fellow young creatives fellow graduates artists are like interpreting what's kind of going on and injecting that into their work i feel like there's very few people that i see work and it, it doesn't stem from you know, what is actually, it, it stems from what's going on right now or what their interpretation of the world is at this moment. I'm very rarely kind of seeing what I felt like I would see when I was maybe more in foundation where people were just making work to be pretty and just to be quite mm-hmm. pleasing. You know, you obviously still have that and everyone has their own reasons. It's also a business. People need to make money, people need to eat. But I definitely see, I'm, I'm very optimistic, you know, with even, and we're not even talking about designers here, but you know, the way that I watch people and the way that they're, you know, injecting the way that they're changing their style and the way that they're expressing themselves and their kind of open-mindedness and like the poetry that's being like, it's just, it's, I feel very inspired by kind of the generation that is kind of currently around us at this moment and kind of how they're kind of, kind of speaking up. Do you, do you feel a community? Do you feel a really strong sense of community? I mean, I know Ib Kamara, the stylist, Jack Davison, the photographer, uh, um, Tyler Mitchell, there are, there are there's a completely new wave of creatives that, um, as far as I'm concerned, regenerating, they've regenerated my interest in fashion to um, a huge degree. And I think they, everybody has such a particular, particular vision. And I like the sumptuousness of, of the vision. You know, it's in your work. This, it is unapologetically sumptuous. And I wonder what that is. I wonder if you talk about escapism, but obviously there's a sort of real defiance in it as well. You know, so you, you are, you're totally engaging with reality in this entirely kind of elaborate escapist way. I think paradox. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, for me as well, like, you know, I look at my way as my version of kind of protesting what I'm feeling emotionally and who I am. And I think, everything that I make is stuff that I wear myself. And it's, I, I, there's, there's this genuine sense that, you know, when I'm on Instagram, I'm sewing at three in the morning and someone's DMing me like, you can do this. Or someone's being like, Hey, I saw, I read an article about something you said about a bow and it made me want to do this like art class. And I'm experienced. Like, it's like, there's this, it's, there's almost like this therapeutic way that like, well, 
through like my creation and through me, I'm kind of making my own political stance. It's something that I put on my back. It's something that I wear. It's something that's genuine to me. Like, and it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's unique and exciting and kind of- Is it intimidating? Oh, I mean, isn't it? I mean, isn't everything in fashion intimidating? Even this chat is intimidating. Like, you know, I think- Tell me about it. <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, it's, I think mean, it's intimidating when I feel like you're, like you said, like you're part of any wave and, you know, the people you mentioned, you know, if I have the deepest respect for Jack Davison, you know, Tyler Mitchell, you know, Harry Lambert, there's so many people that I think are part of this new wave. And I think, you know, when you're a trail, you know, hope to be one of many trailblazers or people, like, I think it's very intimidating and scary. And I think as much as I'm excited to um, kind of accept that community and feel like there's a community there, at the same time, I feel like there's sometimes people that feel like they want to keep a system the same way or don't mm -hmm. want to as open-minded. I think that's something that I'm constantly hitting my head. I'm hitting the glass ceiling constantly because, you know, it's great to be like, oh, I love what you do. I want to support you. But then if you really want to love and support me, then we need, you need to kind of get behind me in a lot of other ways. So I think that is the intimidating part because you can go on Instagram and I can talk to, you know, 300,000, 400, whatever thousands of people um, and share a message, share a side of myself, share a creation. But then you know, there's a lot of times that I've been very lucky with people in the industry really embracing me, like this chat, for instance, but then there's also times where I do think we have more work to do about the way that we structure young talent and the way that we we restructure, you know, what actually having a brand looks like or what creating looks like or what, sh being, what a show really is. You know, I think, you know, we've been through a bloody pandemic. I think every, every all the rules are out the fucking window. No, it's, uh, you know, obviously the, the, there's a worry uh, and I know like there's kind of an old school concern too much too soon, you know, that if it happens super quickly. Um, and for you, I mean, going through your, your press book, which is beyond like for somebody who is still at school, basically, um, incredible. It, you know, I, I was reminded of it at the very beginning of Alexander McQueen's career when he would show clothes and not sell them that he spent a few seasons just building, mm. building the name of McQueen. And the clothes weren't, they were amazing and they weren't really designed to go into production. Uh, when I spoke to you the other day, you were getting ready for a drop. And I was like, what? And, and I was kind of, I thought, my God, you, you're, you're actually in that mode already. How, how, how what is that leap from, from doing these amazing, amazing presentations, I mean, thriving in our outrage, and it goes into production in a pandemic where everybody's kind of, and you've been making everything yourself, which you obviously can't do anymore. Um, so tell me how, tell me how you actually are massaging that, that element, that sort of practical element of the industry. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. No, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, Fashion is a crazy beast and fashion in a pandemic and fashion in, with a new generation and, and a new wave that I genuinely feel like is going on within the industry and especially within London of new talent. It's, it's every day I'm kind of, you know, trying to figure it out. And like you pointed out, and I love that you pointed out that point about McQueen's early shows. That's how I've, you know, whether it was McQueen or Victor and Rolf a little bit of really doing shows that were performative and had a crazy narrative, but, you know, being me, it has to have, you know, this fluid element, this kind of very, I don't say very political, but my own political stance within that show. And, but then trying to find the commerce side of it and actually being like, okay, everything has literally been handmade by myself and, you know, interns, friends, like, how am I now going to, you know, produce this, you know, when you have, you know, top retailers coming to you wanting to do, you know, 
have your clothes in their store, wanting to have them online. And so it's been, you know, and even, you know, with being on, you know, show schedules and stuff, like there's certain stock list numbers you have to hit. There's all these, there's a lot of elements that really, it's made me have to really stick to my gut and know what's right for me and know that, you know, for me to make, let's say one of the last looks that I made would cost thousands of pounds to try to produce. And like, you know, as a lot of people maybe don't know, but a lot of stores is sale on return. A lot of things like if it doesn't sell, it comes back to you. Like, and you really, it's, it's been a lot of me having to think and come up with ideas. So when you called me just to gently, we had a little chat yesterday, you know, I'm trying to find the way that how can the brand make money and how can I still sell a bit of a piece of the vision. And for me, that's kind of been through my dead stock blouses, um, which I've had, you know, knock on wood, some decent success with in the past couple of drops, um, but trying to find, you know, like a sustainable factory in London that can still hand make, that can still do dead stock, trying to keep the numbers limited enough to have that special one-off quality that I'm hoping that people love from what they were buying before. Also having, you know, it's, so it's, it's like trying to figure it out. And then also, you know, choosing to do, you know, whether it was like when I just did my Mac collaboration, trying to also navigate doing licensing deals that also feel genuine to the brand and genuine to myself to be able to allow me to do the huge creation. So, you know, as a 24 year old person who kind of, you know, has been in, you know, very new to this business, but then also, you know, I've interned since I was 15 with Kelly Catron and Jeremy Scott and like been in the industry a, a little bit in different ways. It's also, it's a day to day trying to figure out. And like you said, trying to kind of, kind of, come up with where the relevance of it all sits. And I really stand behind, you know, doing a couple more seasons where the clothes probably aren't very viable. And it really is much more, you know, I talk about that pendulum, like we need to fucking swing it so far to a place of self-expression that it's no longer this kind of sexist shock if a man is wearing a dress or a man is like done like this. Cause I think, you know, you see Kate Blanchett at Cannes in an amazing Armani suit. We don't have an issue with that. She's powerful, she's strong. We saw Tom Cruise in a dress tomorrow, you know, the Daily Mail, the sun would rip him apart because we're still so, I think we're still so sexist and we still have so many issues with this kind of expression of femininity. Um, so I'm kind of getting off topic, but you know- No, I, no I, do, you, do you see a world where that, where, that, where that is no longer the case? I do, but I think we have a lot. Well, and I think that's, that's, that's even, you know, that's so core, like it relates so much to even the commercial, me trying to do commercial stuff. It's, yeah, I yeah. still feel such a fight to fight for this, like, again, I always say fighting for fucking fluidity. It's, we have so much more to go. And I do see a space where we can live in that this becomes a norm that, you know, expressing yourselves in, you know, feminine ways and male ways and whatever, you know, even, we don't even need to say fem, but like that it's fluid and that we're all in this space, I think is very realistic. But I think if my next collection became a very commercial runway show, I don't think then that I have that same story and I have that same message. It has to be my version of a protest it has to be my yeah. version of what I stand for and so you know it's but it's also things that make me nervous I'm like you know I've read articles that are like oh it's beautiful it's great but like who wears this where does this go what happens then you have other people who are like oh I get it I understand it this is part of a greater vision this is, this is part of a world you know oh maybe you could buy a blouse you could buy makeup like there's ways to buy into it but I just feel like I can't sacrifice the artistic side of it because that's where that's fully where my protesting opinion comes from. But, I, you know, the, the question about who will actually wear this has been asked, I think, probably from the moment that somebody ever skinned a mammoth and tried to make <laughs> a chance out of it or something. But uh, the, the the idea of building your name, like you, you're saying there that you, you're, you know, maybe the clothes wouldn't be sellable, but you're looking at licensing and so on. I know, I know you're talking about doing a candle. Mm -hmm. um, so these are the brand extensions that, that people, that people, can obviously do quite well with what what 
what is the vision though ultimately i mean that that the name harris reed stands for a lot of different things like a, a sort of a lifestyle like a you know how do you, how do you how do you see it going forward i mean 5 years or whatever i mean definitely turning it more it sounds i feel like when you say it, it sounds lovely but when i say lifestyle brand i feel like i'm like like i mean definitely being <laughs> in a space that you know I can't, I think until the day I die, I cannot not see myself doing something so grand and something that has such a kind of a, a point of view. So I see it definitely being in a, excuse me, in a space of, you know, having candles, having fragrance, having other elements, but not in a way to just sell, to sell quickly, like, you know, how brands would have sunglasses, but, you know, doing collaborations with as many kind of young people as possible, you know, whether it's with my candles, I work with a young illustrator in New York, Lucas, who went to RISD, he hand illustrates everything. The candles are made in collaboration with my mother, who's done fragrance for 30 years. You know, obviously Mac is an amazing company, but it's obviously a huge corporation. Like that's a bit different, but, you know, I see growing the brand as really kind of a lifestyle brand. And, you know, I'm working more on the boots and I'm collaborating with Roker. I'm working more on maybe more quote unquote wearable hats. It will still probably be the size of this random TV behind me. You know, I think finding my niche, I, I don't think I can, I really just struggle with the thought of my clothes sitting on a hanger in a small, medium and large and a bunch of stores. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it works for a lot of people, but I think for my messaging and my creation, I think my five-year plan is really about building huge shows, huge purposes, getting you know money through collaborations to fund those things, making sure those collaborations feel like a part of the world that I'm creating and more not just the world, the messaging behind it, letting people have almost little tokens of that. And then, you know, in five years time, maybe getting to a space where I have you know, I'm not saying this also is the perfect idea, but you know, when Mark by Mark Jacobs, it was like, you know, Mark Jacobs, Mark by Mark Jacobs and something a bit more accessible, but still completely responsible, you know, finding a dead stock angle, finding a, you know, all those things that like are important to, I think, hopefully my generation. And um, yeah, again, obviously, again, I'm, <laughs> as much as I have it solid me in my head, it is also like, you know, every day is changing. I turn on the news every day and a new thing is happening. So I think the one thing I know for sure is two incredible shows a year that change people's perspectives and some mixes in between. The thing that interests me coming, one of the things that interests me coming out of this crisis is how designers are going to talk to people. Yeah. Um, that, that the whole notion of wholesale has taken such a whipping that, you know, you need to communicate directly with the people who, who, uh, who you want to buy your clothes and who want to buy your clothes. So, I mean, how do you do that? Storytelling is one way. Um, I mean, Instagram has worked really, really well for you. Um, what, what, how do you see building, building these relationships and sustaining these relationships when the world starts diffusing again and all those sort of, all those currents, you know, all those subcurrents, everybody's lives splinter into what they used to be? Or, or do, you, do you see that there'll be this, people will be hanging on to this, to this contact, this I mean, people are craving physical contact, but but we've all had this other kind of contact and it's been very, very useful for you. And actually you're associated with it so, so, so completely. How do you imagine it going forward? I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I'm optimistic that, you know, I used Instagram as a way for me to kind of show my process before um, the pandemic. And then, you know, I kind of grew in following through the pandemic. I think a lot of the time, because like you said, I was, any like connection I was making, someone was DMing me, oh, how much is that? Oh, would you make this thing custom? And then developing a relationship through Instagram, checking up with them through DM, WhatsApping them, Zooms, like 
And so I definitely think, you know, I know I'm the second we can get outside, I'm going to be fucking go-go boots dancing and like, you know, the park. Like, so I know there's a part of me that cannot wait to throw all my technology out the window and just go outside. But I also do think at the same time, we have gotten used to a certain way of communication, a certain way of communicating. And I think that that will kind of continue over maybe even more so, you know, I think there's a love, there's this thing that I feel like I always love about fashion. And, you know, when I was young, like I would be like, oh, I can never see what was behind the velvet curtain because you would only see the like the runway photos and you'd only read the reviews where now everyone has a phone in their backstage and they're doing things. And I feel like the wall is slowly, like slowly, slowly shattering down. But even though now everyone can see a fashion show with drones, with cell phones, with behind the scenes, with the Vogue runway photos, everyone still would probably cut off an arm and a leg to be front row at that show. So I think I like to think about it as the same with like, you know, online and the social media, like the people that I'm creating relationships from a buying perspective or, you know, direct to consumer, those relationships I have online, I feel like no matter how much we change into a physical space, they're still going to want that immediate interaction with me. And if they're in Hong Kong or if they're in Los Angeles and I'm not there, that's the only way that they can really get, I guess, to me, if that makes sense. So I'm hoping yeah. that if anything, it actually just kind of continues to grow. And then, you know, we go, come out of this, maybe it's not a traditional show, maybe it's a exhibition, maybe it's a band playing, maybe it's me rolling around naked in body paint and glitter boots and that's my show. You know, I think there's definitely ways to have that craving and yearning that we all need to be a part of a physical experience, but the connection and that, um, and that element, I think will hopefully stay quite online and digital, especially with all the new apps and everything. But you know, it's interesting when you talk about the, the, the way that the, you talk about how everybody's so exposed to all the layers of fashion now because of the drones backstage and a, you know, the 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 twenty four seven coverage of 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 fashion that that didn't exist in, you know, the eighties. It was just this total mirage of fabulosity that was being that would drift occasionally across your consciousness yeah. through a magazine that came out six months after the shows. Yeah. But, you know, the funny thing is for all of that exposure, and I think you're proof of this as well, there is still a real strange mystique to fashion. There is still this allure that you can't put your finger on. And for all we know about how bad the business is in so many ways, that allure, that allure is still there, isn't it? I think more than ever. But I think, you know, we're in a time right now where we're craving things that we don't know. We're craving, you know, just getting out of the bloody house. And I think, you know, fashion, no matter how much I remember even sitting in lectures like this and people would be like, so like, you know, good luck out there, kids. Good luck getting a job. You're, this is a realistic salary. This is a realist. And you're like, I remember just nodding through. I remember, I don't know who came in and they ruined fashion for me. They were like, you're not going to find a job. You're not going to get anywhere. And I remember just smiling and nodding and be like, and at the end I was like, so yeah, so um. I can't wait. I can't wait to sign myself up. I don't think it was like an internship or something. And I like, and like you said, there's this like mystique. There's this, I mean, for me, it's probably a bit of, I want to prove everyone wrong. And that's always been my thing. Like, oh, you think that I can't, you know, sell this fantastic role would just fucking watch me. There's this bit of it. But then there's also this thing that like, you know, there's this, like you said, I love the word mystique. I think there's this mystique. There's this mystery that we all crave. And I think the people that I find that have that curiosity and that have that excitement for fashion are a lot of my friends that I see are actually doing quite well given the times that we're in. You know, they might be producing, you know, have a friend, Chet Lowe, he's literally knitting in bed, but he's trying to keep up with order demand and he's, you know, doing his own. And it's, but because he's still, you know, we will have dinner and be like, oh, well, you know, did you figure out that that taxing? Oh, DHL. Oh my God, trying to ship those comments. Oh, they got damaged. Oh no, Lady Gaga, this person messes up. Like we're there like, you know, telling all these things about how hard it is. And the next day we're like calling each other like, I'm so excited though. We're going to like, you know, you ha there has to be a bit of um, being a bit naive and a bit kind of chasing the, the mystery within it. I think London 
London has always had that energy, though. London has always had that incredible community and people who create for the joy of creativity, not for making a billion dollars, you know? I think that that's really been the personality of fashion here. And, I, and, and it's, right now it seems to be happening, uh, just coming out of that virtual season that we've just come out of. There's just so many incredible people here. Uh, and maybe they're not all going to be the next whoever. Mm. Um, I can think of a billion-dollar business, Michael Kors, but um, there's just this this need to do it that I really love. You you once said, who is going to inhabit the future? And I thought, yeah, I mean, who is going to inhabit the future? I would love to live forever so I could see exactly who or what is going to inhabit the future. But what do you see? You know, I see it being a generation that is, you know, through, and again, I'm talking a lot about social media. I barely know how to send an email with a CC, so I'm not like the guru of social media, but I see a generation that has really tapped into using things like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, in a way that is more about getting a common understanding of race, of gender, of expression, and being just a more of like a living in a space where it's more about asking questions and people just accepting one another. And that that might sound like a generic answer, but I feel like this is the first time I feel like in so long that you literally can ask Siri a question and it gives you a response. If you ask like your phone, something about history, you Google something, you can make yourself very aware. If you don't know something that's going on in a political situation, you literally type in three words into Google and you can read in-depth articles of people who've been through those experiences. If you don't like reading, you can watch, there's Instagram accounts dedicated to it. You know, like I didn't know some things that were going on when something that was recently happening. And I followed three accounts on Instagram and made sure for 15 minutes a day just to read up on it. So what I think of the people who inhabit the future, it's people who are willing to take take on advice and knowledge, willing to share and knowledge and just to like kind of all coexist. I think, you know, there's been so much hate in the world and so many Mm. issues. And I really think, you know, who knows when we're coming out of this by this COVID, but I do think there's going to be a bit more of this hopefully level of understanding. Again, maybe again, that's my fashion mystique of optimism, looking around the corner for something. But, you know, I think those are the people that I hope are the inhabitants of kind of the new age, the future. And the challenge is to turn information into, is to transform information into wisdom. And then the world will be a much, much better place. Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week. 